0: reading this morning is taken from Luke chapter four, New Bible page one zero three one. Luke chapter four, from verse fourteen. Jesus rejected at Nazareth. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in the synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to it. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the freedom for the prisoners, the recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing." All spoke well of him, and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. Amen.
1: A very good morning to you all. My name is uh, David Barry. I'm the minister of the church. I bring my greetings from Perth Baptist, where I was uh, sharing God's word last week. And... Uh, that's up. That you do. You say You bring the greetings things from the church. I do. I bring the greetings things <laughs> from the church. They are doing very well indeed. Um, so today we're going to start just at a three-week uh, sermon series um, called Faith Healing. The idea is stolen from the theatre who had a very successful play called Faith Healing, and uh, not to give it any more publicity, but it's doing well. So I just thought, well, let's explore faith and healing. What that means in Christ, and that took me in a little journey. And over three weeks, eh, minus it's going to be over four weeks, but it's going to be three weeks on this, and we're going to explore eh, these topics the topic of sins, and we're going to look at that today, Eh, wounds, and next week, which will be a a different type of service because we're going to have Cubs and Scouts and whoever else comes from. Remembrance. So next week's sermon we will be 15 minutes long. And then these in a few weeks uh, down uh, the line. Jesus said at the end of today's scripture reading, he says, The scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He was reading from the scroll of Isaiah, Isaiah 61. And uh, his popularity was just beginning to be felt. Although he was relatively unknown in regards to the whole of Israel, but in that region he was starting to, in the power of the Holy Spirit as the Spirit drove him, he was getting a name for himself. And yet when Jesus stood and read these words, it would have been shock and awe. It would have been uh, news to many ears. And you can read it a little bit further on. This is one of the most bizarre um, miracles. Jesus in Jesus' ministry, and you see that at the end of well, halfway through chapter four, how he just walks through the crowd of memory and serves me late. And so from Isaiah 61, as Jesus reads this, I want to explore this theme of sin. And I want to explore Jesus' part in that. And ultimately, I want in over the three weeks, and I, I know I'm a kind of a broken-down record player when it comes to that, this theme. But unapologetically, I want to look at discipleship again. And what are the hindrances for us to become more like Christ in the life? We are meant to be like Christ. So, um, what, what stops that? Where, where is the influences in our life that hamper us becoming more like Christ? I know that's the desire of us here. We've been saved and now we're being saved. So, what are the hindrances? And that's what I'm going to look at. Before we kick in, let's pray. Did we do that? Father, in your mercy hear our prayers. Soften quiet our heart. May your kingdom come and your will be done. We pray in the name of Christ. May we hear your word and may you live. May it be unmistakable what you say to us. Pray the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart will be acceptable to you. We acknowledge you as a redeemer, a rock, the one in whom we trust. Have your way. In the name of Christ. Amen. So keep that in your mind. We're going to identify and over, we'll hopefully overcome some hindrances to becoming like our Saviour Jesus. And today when Jesus was reading this he was saying it's fulfilled. Today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. And Jesus anointed with the Holy Spirit is anointed to do certain things. And we read that there. And Where are we? Chapter four, verse eighteen: The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, so here you have the Trinity right away. So there's a trinitarian ministry going on with Jesus there. So Jesus is the Son, and the Spirit of the Lord. He's talking to his Father and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So what's happening here is the whole, the three persons of the Godhead are involved in what Jesus is all about. Okay. So the Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Stuart, there's someone at the door. If you want to help them, Uh, someone just peering in. They might want a seat, just so you know. Someone at the front (laughs) door. They might want to come in. I don't know. So to proclaim good news to the poor, and who are those people? We are the poor. Anyone who's disenfranchised, anyone who's disadvantaged economically, socially, politically, whatever it may be. Jesus has come to those who. And actually, in the terms of the world, because we come from Britain, the economics that it all is, we are rich if we were to go over to Uganda, if we were to go to Chitika, we would be considered as being very rich. But we know in the scheme of things, whether it be economics or social standard, but certainly in spirit, we are poor in regards to what and we all fall short of. So Jesus has come to proclaim good news to the poor, to give them good hope. So that's the first thing we read here um, from the verses and in, in taken from the scriptures in Isaiah. Jesus also came to um, proclaim freedom for the captives. Proclaim freedom uh, to the captives. And the image here being conveyed is the image of someone being free from bondage. Whether that be uh, from sin in their own lives, or the effects of sin of what other people have done to them, or, and let's, or, or, sin, or from bondage of the devil. You know, lifestyle choices, whatever it may be, uh, words that have been spoken over, footholds that the evil one may have in our lives. He's against us, the evil one, he's not for us. He's the accuser of the church. Jesus has come to proclaim freedom for the captives. And that image could incorporate all of those things in regards to sin and the devil. Paul instructs his apprentice, Timothy, eh, the leader of the church. In eh, 2 Timothy 2, 25-26, he says this, Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil, who has taken them captive to do his will. The desire of the evil one is to put us in captivity. He shouts freedom, freedom, freedom to us. Do whatever you want. Choose your own path. But in effect, what he is doing he's putting us in chains. Because true freedom is to walk in sync with the Spirit and Christ to the glory of the Father. Jesus also to, uh, came to um, release from darkness uh, for the prisoners and recovery of sight of the blind and release the oppressed. In other words, prison, most people go to prison because they deserve not everyone. There are miscarriages of justice. Some of us know that too well. But f- prison is a foreboding place. Pr- physically and, 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 and metaphorically, prison is a foreboding place. There may be people, even as I sit here just now, who feel in one way or another that they are in prison. Their situation has put them in chains. They are not free to live that <coughs> joyful life that they would desire to live. They are bound and shackled. And then Jesus says, I have fulfilled this. I have come to release from darkness those who are in prison. So, therefore, release us from the difficulties of sin, of our own choices, the effects of sin that other people have placed on us. And also, uh, from the, the evil one, some of you will know a little bit of my testimony, I've told it, it points throughout my time years as pastor, well, but that, for, a, and, I, and I tend to forget this now, as time goes by and I'm healed of all of that stuff, I, I forget it, but I think I suffered on and off with depression for about seven years, and Miranda would say that a darkness would come over me. I physically couldn't speak, and I know that's hard to believe, but I could not express My feelings, I was bound simply because someone spoke a lie over me and I believed it. Part of that lie was that I would die before I was twenty-one, that I would have no children, I had no future. I can remember getting to the age of twenty-one and genuinely feeling that I was on borrowed time. Uh, Maybe some of us did go back to some of our tests and thinking to myself, that was a traumatic many years for me. And yet, when I, when, when I could trust in someone who was Miranda's dad to open up about all of this stuff that I kept secret, it was this chains were broken, and I was free, free indeed, and I've never stopped talking since. <laughs> <laughs> you can see that Jesus, spirit of the Lord is upon me because He anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to send and proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, Release the oppressed. This divine act of mercy is summed up in the end, he says, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. That is, Jesus has come to herald in the true year of Jubilee, the period of Jubilee. So what is the year of Jubilee? Turn to me very quickly. We'll do this extremely quickly to Leviticus chapter 25. If you can, keep your index finger or whatever it is in Luke 4 as well. Leviticus 25, Um, just as there are seven days in a week, there would be a, um, and the seven festivals within the Jewish calendar, and the most important of those festivals are found in autumn during the seven months, God likes seven, and without a shadow of a doubt, when the people entered the promised land, they were to have a Sabbath year, a special year, a year of As it it was, and we read a little bit about that Um, in verse 3 of uh, chapter 25 in Leviticus. For six years sow your fields, and for six years prune your vineyards, and gather their crops. But in the seventh year, um, the land is to have a Sabbath of rest. A Sabbath to the Lord, do not sow your fields or, or prune your vineyards. And after uh, seven Sabbath years, so seven times seven, 49 if you good the mass, there would be a special year, on the 50th year, it would be the year of uh, Jubilee. Uh, verse 9 and 10, we read, Then have the trumpet sounded everywhere on the tenth day of the seventh month, on the day of atonement. Sound the trumpet throughout your land. Concentrate consecrate, sorry, the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each one of you is to return to his family property and each to his own clan. So in Israel, after in every 50th year, there was to be a year of release. There was to be a year of jubilee, a year of rejoicing, a year of putting things in the right place. At a practical level that meant debts. debts were released, that meant slaves could go free, land was redistributed as it should have been, there was was a level playing field of sorts that happened in that 50th year, but it also spoke to a much greater, deeper truth, because it began in Yon Kippur, on the day of atonement, the day when the people sought forgiveness as a nation to the Lord, on the day of forgiveness. Jubilee happened. And what happens when you forgive, and you're forgiven, then you then forgive. So there was a knock on effect all over the place. God and his generosity leveled the plane through, forgave, and the people, because they were so grateful, and they were wise, because they obeyed the name of the Lord, which is no bad thing. Taking up the cross, we would say, and following Jesus. They obeyed the command of the Lord, and they extended forgiveness. This, was the year of Jubilee. And the freedom that Jesus speaks figuratively, literally, is that He is the fulfillment. And in Him, there is a level playing field where we can seek forgiveness, know forgiveness, and extend that forgiveness and welcome all into that relationship of forgiveness in the kingdom of the Father. This is acceptable in the acceptable year of the Lord. When the Lord undoes the effects of sin and when the Lord undoes the effects of the devil. 1 John 3 and verse 8 says this, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Destroy in the Greek is a, a meaning of loosening. So Jesus came into the world to dismantle He came into the world to unravel To pull apart the seams To loosen the bond of sin And the bond of the devil It's all there Goodness, I should just say Amen Let's pray Because it is there But I'm not going to do that because I feel obliged to go deeper But it's there he came to loose, to break, to tear apart, to put his enemies at his feet, not by the sword, but in humility and surrender. Not riding in a stallion but in a donkey and humility. Not coming into the um, uh, the old city of, of Jerusalem and turning left to the Roman garrison which for the Jewish people was the centre of all the problems, the centre of sin and the devil, because there was an the occupying force. No, Jesus came in as it were to the great city, and he turned right and went to the temple. And I will tear down the temple. I will tear down that which is worship and is unacceptable eh, to the Lord. And you know he is in, to uh, the temple that was at the court of the Gentiles, was the area in the, the, the temple that was set aside for those who were not jews to come and worship. And what was it full of? It was full of a good thing in a respect, because it was full of the appliances and the needs for God's people to come and, and buy a sacrifice and then present that perfect sacrifice, um, as was their custom in the temple would be. But what it was doing, a good thing in their eyes was actually doing a terrible thing because it was stopping the nation from coming and approaching the, the living God. So what did Jesus do? He took, you know, the cord, whatever it was, and he turned over temples. My house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. He's come to loose, to untie, to tear apart, and to build up again in his body. The life I live in the body, I live by faith through the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Amen. I have be crucified with Christ and I will no longer live. That is the acceptable year of the Lord. I have been born again in the spirit age 50. I gave my heart to the Lord. Head knowledge became the heart knowledge. I was baptized because I knew If I baptise, I'm not turning away. That was my mindset. Two months after I came to faith. And from then onwards, the Lord has been working in me a good thing. That's my testimony. Your testimony will be different. But it will be the same. But the Lord breaking and loosening and untying. And then establishing his kingdom in our lives. Disciples of Jesus Christ. Not just uh, confessors, but disciples. But the s- mistake that we often fall into is that we, we expect all this to happen in the hour. However, I don't, it generally doesn't happen that way. I do know of a guy, Sandy, who used to worship here, who's in Perth, and, and Sandy um, comes from uh, travelling families, and he was, a, he was a raging alcoholic, and over one weekend he was healed from alcoholism. One weekend. But I know of other followers and disciples of Jesus Christ who continue to labour with that disease day in, day out. Genuinely, though, that is the process. The transformation happens over a period of time. God is still at work in us. That's why I was encouraged you to hear Drew's testimony just then. It's great. Honesty. Oh, struggle, struggle, struggle. And do you know what? God came. And I actually observed that. I heard God. In that simple way um I elaine started off at the service as well talking about who of us here have failed have week. Maybe we've not been reading the scripture maybe we've not been praying maybe we've not been fellowship with one another we've just been through the motions i come to pick up a cross daily and follow christ that's where when i was going through this with miranda last night my wife I says Mom, this is my mind and i'm all over the place but this is my thoughts she looks at me as only my wife can do, and then she says, Yeah, you see this all the time. And I'm like, Really <laughs> upset with her. And, and then she goes, No, it's fine, it's fine. She goes, That's okay. Because that's what we need to hear. About taking up a cross, know, taking up a cross daily and following in. Our task, just in the next so many minutes, I want to look at if this loosening, if this year of Jubilee, if this transformation that God is bringing about in our lives is a process, Uh, and if we want to identify and then overcome these sins and and bad habits and and schemes of the devil, well, you know what's the problem? How how, what are the things that at least in in this short time we've got that that could be the hindrance? And the first thing. I put in big bold letters here, in my, in my notes, is lack of discernment. Too many of us suffer from a lack of discernment. We think that all of our problems in life are sin. So, whether it's eh, we're struggling with alcoholism, whether we're struggling with drug addiction, whether we're struggling in our relationships, in an adulterous relationship, whatever it may be, they were three of the things that were not shouted out about what sin. I was sitting there listening to what people were going to say, what people were going to say. And everything that was said was right. But you know, those things never came up for whatever reason. Whatever it may be with what we are struggling with, we know that the, the command, the good advice from Scripture, is repent. We know that, and that's all good and well. But, but sin behavior or habits can be a manifestation, manifestation of something much, much deeper. Much deeper than just saying, Forgive the Lord, I've done it again, and expect that it's all going to go away. Some might have wounds that then determine what their day is like, what their outlook in life is like. How they perceive situations, how they approach relationships, deep wounds. Or the enemy may have a foothold for me for seven years, a lie that was spoken in my life. And so I just lived life as if there was no tomorrow. And so wounds are what the enemy does. These take discernment. Therefore, it's not enough just to repent if we don't go and have our wounds healed if we don't therefore tell the evil one where to go. It's important to discern our problem, it's true. Sin must be repented of, but sin may not be the only problem and what is holding us back and taking up our cross daily, following Christ and becoming like him in all ways. You know, some people think that everything is a wound in the life, every problem that they have, is because they're wounded. Someone did this to me. And someone did that to me. It was my upbringing, but I can't help it. It's just the way things have always been and it's not going to change. That's an outlook in life. That's a deep-seated outlook in life. And that's not diminishing. that there may be things like that. I grew up for years my teacher with and I never knew what the word meant, probably still do. My teacher called me in class and said, You're impertinent. And for years i never ever looked up for some reason, but I just always thought I must be impertinent. Something that was spoken took root, it did significant root in my life, but some of us have. But with some people, what they're trying to say is this, it's not my responsibility, it's not my fault, I'm the victim here, I can't do anything about it. Alcoholism is a disease. An alcoholic, like any other person who's struggling with habitual uh, sin, habitual effect in their life, needs to take responsibility. It's the first step of the AA. I wrote it down here. We admit we are powerless over uh, alcohol and that our lives have become unmanageable. It's the first step of admitting that. I've been to one Gamble's uh, anonymous meeting and one AA meeting, and it was just. Unbelievable being there for the first time when someone admits that they're an alcoholic or they an addicted gambler. It brings tears to you, honestly tears to your eyes. But the community there was brilliant to say the least. Brilliant. But they needed to take responsibility admitting. So repentance, as I've said a few times, is important. We must take responsibility for actions that have led to this disorder. In their life. But some people also think that all the problems in their lives are demonic. And, and demonic is real, but sins and wounds are often a favourite way for the demonic to manipulate what is going on in our lives. And that's true. But the root problem of all our bad habits and all our bad behaviours and, 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 and unfortunate circumstances that happen in our life need not be demonic. Some people see the devil wanting to be stored a bush, etc., ready to pounce and devour. And we give him far too much um, reputation for that. He deceives. His tricks are always the same. I always remember Stefan Vivian, one of the things I remember Stefan saying to me is this the devil's schemes have never changed. Divide and conquer. At least the dividers bring something in our relationship that. It just means we say, I'll tolerate don't have a relationship with you. Divide and conquer. So, but we give him too much credit as well. Some of our problems are psychological. Some of our problems are emotional. Some of our problems are, are physical. And some of our problems, manifestations in our life, are moral problems as well. Where we are not allowing scripture to cut us, to bruise us. To guide us, we pick and choose, and we're all guilty of that, every single one of us. But some of our problems are due to our moral, lack of morals. And you can cast out as many demons as you like, but if you don't get to the root issue and have it healed, there is no future. And I wonder how many more demons will come and take place. Most of what hinders us in becoming like Christ is a mixture of sins, is a mixture of wounds, and is a mixture of, of demons. They tend to feed off one another to a lesser degree, and that's why it's vital, uh, as us as followers of Christ, to, to engage in discernment. To be in small groups where we can support one another in, this, in discernment. I was encouraged as we made Wally this week, he was telling us of their small groups meeting. Uh, there's five guys, I think, they're meeting on Monday morning at 7 o'clock. Watch these guys go, because they won't one another accountable. They won't be able to slip for the weeks and months, or if they do slip for weeks and months, I know from our own small group, when you finally admit that, you get dogs abuse from the others. It's a tough love. It's all about encouraging and jumping with one another, and discerning what's God doing in your life, what's hampering you. And then, you know, it's, it's, all, it's community, it's friendship, and we need that in our life. We need to ask God because the remedy for each of these problems is different. Sin needs repentance. Wounds need to be healed, and demons or demonic activity or influence needs to be expelled. But you can't cast out a wound. It's ridiculous. You can't cast out a sin. And you can't heal a sin. You can't heal a demon, and you can't repent of a demon, and you can't repent of a wound. Sin must be repented of, wounds must be healed, and the demons must be expelled. If we are to realise the sanctifying work of the year of Jubilee in our life, Paul the Apostle said, not that I have attained; I continue to run with perseverance the race which we all have been called to. So, I just want to finish a little bit in repentance and then have five or ten or whatever minutes to sit in silence and ask for Lord, the Lord, the to bring the sermon. And we may one way or another ask eh, for a response, but I don't know how that's going to be. In regards to, to sins, repentance is vital. The beginning of Jesus' ministry we see it in Matthew's gospel, he came and he says, repent for the kingdom of God is near At The end of the New Testament, if you look at the, the word to the seven churches, five of the churches are commanded to repent. Repentance, God is big in repentance. He's right into this thing. Sin must be named a sin because we've got to take responsibility for, for much of the ungodly behaviour in our life that we've become accustomed to. In Nehemiah chapter 8. John Green Ches to the other week. This is the only occasion in the whole of Scripture when a pulpit is mentioned. Where the 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 the, the the book of Moses, I think it's described, is rediscovered. And there's much repentance. And for Ezra the priest to read uh, the law of Moses out book of Moses I think maybe the phrase, it, a, a, a platform is built, probably, so that everyone could hear. And uh, and it's a great Then you read this in verse 9, then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people, said to them all, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep the verse, for all the people had been weeping weeping as they listened to the words of the law. It doesn't say the word repentance, but that's what's happening there. They've rediscovered the way in which God has commanded them to live. And as it happened in Acts, when Peter <coughs> preached his first sermon, the people were cut to the heart and said to the disciples, what must we for picture of repentance, it's simple. What do you do with sin? You confess it. It's not enough to say the devil made me do it. He may have encouraged you to be captive to his will, but we've got to ask ourselves a question have I consecrated, have I cooperated with him? No matter how captive we are to influence the influence of sin, there's still a part of us that cry out, Lord. Help me. Lord, free me. Lord, save me. For all the people have been weeping as they listened to the words of the Lord. Some of us want God to just zap us. We say the prayer and we're zapped and life is a bed of roses. But we are neglecting the responsibility of our behavior. In the book of Acts chapter 8, Simon, who was... Um, a guy who was freed from the life of the cult supposedly a believer and he had a bit of a ministry going on but when the apostles came and were ministering and were praying for people and when they were praying for people they were baptised in the Holy Spirit he went to the apostles and said can I buy this off of you? how can I get this? and he was rebuked Peter said this to him Repent of this wickedness, this behavior, this attitude, this mindset, repent of that. And what was Simon's response, we read it in chapter 8, verse 24. He says to the apostles, you pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. That was not what he Peter says, he said no, you pray. I cannot be saved from you after you. It's one of the reasons why we don't do children's baptisms. We do dedications. All my children have been dedicated to the Lord. We've committed ourselves as Christian parents to raise our kids in the way of the Lord. By example, so that they, when they are ready, may confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Because only they... Can cry out to the Lord, save me, help me be saved. I can't do that on behalf of him. Simon was to repent of his wickedness, but he, it seems that he wasn't taking responsibility for his actions. And that this is why the point of personal repentance is important. We need to take responsibility for our sin. I know we've been wounded, and there may be demonic influence kicking about all over the place, but we've got. Um, To put our hands up And agree with what God says About our lifestyle Our sinful behaviour Whatever it may be Otherwise we will never realise this jubilee This freedom Proclaimed by Christ Actually in our lives Doesn't mean life's going to be a bed of roses after that According to the Lord's will Whatever our life may be so my question is, we just pause now, and I've got a wee bit of time, I'm glad. What's your problem with all your problems? And, and your problem may have nothing to do with what I've, I've just been um, sharing for the last 25 minutes. But I wonder whether we can just pause in the silence and pray on our own for sermon. Lord, what must I do? We are called to to walk in the dust of our rabbi. And many of us are faithfully doing that and we speak uh, and tell testimony of God's faithfulness, God's loving power. Some of us feel as a blockage. I don't know what that is. Only you know. Or maybe you don't. Therefore, let's just pause. And I invite you in the silence to pray. Lord, give me the same. What am I doing that is not pleasing to you? What's holding me back? How may I walk in this life of all its fullness that you have promised? Can we do that? Can we just? Thank you, Lord. In the mercy, Of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And I ask, Father, the words that you've spoken to us. We bring that freedom which Christ has brought about. We would realize it in our lives. You know our heart. Where can we go from the Spirit? Where can we flee? You know the thoughts in our mind. And so we approach you as the good Father, the one who sent his Son. Because of your love, and that your Son by the power of your spirit, fulfills your word. That you have defeated the power of death and the evil one. That you are building your church. Until that day the trumpet sounds and you come to restore all things, judging both the living and the dead and establishing your kingdom forever in our midst for your glory and for your praise. You've heard our prayers, Lord, and you've heard our works of repentance in our heart. Lord. May that be seen in generosity. May that be seen in peace. May that be seen in faith and hope. The Father for anyone here who reached out to you for the first time, thank you. Never you never disappointed as well.